0: Let's go to today's passage. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a doozy of a passage. Um, thank you, you, for joining us. We are in part three of a series, as you heard our brother, pray on mercy. And mercy, um, not in the sense of just like, um, does God have mercy on us because we deserve condemnation, but the sense that um, people often re- are rejected because they're poor and because they're hurting and will we who know the Lord Jesus and who believe in the gospel offer them an, uh, a life of mercy to enter into their hurt and their brokenness um, that's what we mean by mercy and um, I think it's, it, it's worth it a little bit the last two weeks we're in part three the last two weeks we looked at a very important passage in Luke chapter four where Jesus cites Isaiah 61, where he says um, that he has been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. And then right afterwards, something really crazy happens in the synagogue after he, he preaches that message. He then turns around and says, all you guys want is to watch me do some miracles, but no miracles were done in Israel except, and you're just like them because you rejected the real prophets, and the only people who received miracles weren't even people who were Israelites. There was a widow, and he he names this time in in Israel, a Zarephath and Sidon, and there was a general who was a Syrian, and his name is Naaman, and he was a leper, and he was healed, and I'm not going to heal before you, because um, back then, this is what God did, nobody healed back then during a famine, and they got so offended. (laughs) So Jesus said this thing, he, he, we tend to think of Jesus as this really kind and nice figure, but he was so offensive. I mean, he just, it's like he stuck a finger straight into their eye with his words. And they got so offended, they dragged him out of town and they wanted to throw him off a cliff. And then, I, I don't know exactly how he got away. I mean, he's, he's a son of God. So he found a way to get away. And, um and really what that, that this is that was last week's message and the reason I go over that is especially for the youth because they need to know about this but i want to review that because you need to have that picture in your mind when we look at this passage okay because jesus is making a critique of a certain understanding about money and wealth wealth and poverty and it's a critique of Israel. It's a critique of all culture, really, of all previous generations. Because back then, they had a very evil, wicked king. And they only cared about prosperity. And they didn't mind bowing down to other foreign gods as long as those gods gave you promises of prosperity. And then, and then there was one true prophet. His name was Elijah. And he said what God really thought about it, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I hate this. And to show you that I really hate this and that Elijah is a real prophet, God, Elijah said for three and a half years, there's going to be a horrible, severe famine. And since he was the deliverer of that message, and then there was famine. You guys don't understand what famine I mean, you and I here in America, we have no idea what famine is like. It's just bad for us when the economy is bad, and we can't get a job. And you see stores closing, and people have to move out of town. That's what we consider bad. But that's nothing compared to a famine. Think about it this way. You don't know where your next meal is coming from. You know, you know people are dying literally in this streets because they are starving. They have to leave town because they have to find food or they will die. That's what it was like. And this was God's pronouncement upon all of Israel. And... Um, This is some kind of background that you have to understand that all throughout the history of Israel, there are generations upon generations upon generations, they would not do what God told them to do, especially when it came to money and wealth and when it came to the poor. They wouldn't do it. And then they would applaud each other and the king would be powerful because you know, as long as we have money, then we're good people and then we'd all applaud each other. But when a real prophet would come, they would murder him or want to murder him. Elijah had to run for his life. And God had to feed him miraculously through birds. He's like running for his life. He's in some you know, wilderness place. And of course, there's a famine, so there's no food. And so God brought, had birds fly to him. Do you guys want to live your life that way? He's like, oh, well, when there's lunch, you're sitting there and then birds show up and drop food and then you have to eat that food. It's not fun being a prophet, is it? Um, That's what it was like. Now, let's get into today's passage. Um, Today's passage, some people, we were going through the Gospel of Luke because we're going to look at key passages in the Gospel of Luke. Um, Of the four Gospels, there is probably no sharper points about how we're supposed to care for the poor than in the Gospel of Luke. And this portion, some people call this the Sermon on the Plain. The, right before this, I didn't read it just for the sake of time, but Jesus goes to this level place, which is the plain, and he had healed many people, and then all these people gathered to hear him teach. And a lot of this content is similar to the content from Matthew chapter 5 through 7, but there it's more famously called the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts off like this Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And some people think you know it's the same sermon. Some people are not sure. Scholars aren't sure if it's the same or if it's different. I tend to think it's different. Because even though the content is similar, the tone is different. And you can imagine, um, Jesus draws crowd. He, why wouldn't he say the same thing again? Because hey, those people over there didn't hear me. I mean, this is tr- tremendously important content. And of course, why wouldn't he say it again? So I, that's just my two-cent theory, OK? But it's important that in Matthew chapter five he starts off and he mostly and he has like a series of eight. Blessed are you, blessed are you, and they're mostly blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who mourn, and those blessed are you if you are meek. Um, he and they're mostly a whole series of blessings, but this one is different. <laughs> this one is different. He has four blessings, and then he has four woes, <laughs> and. Um, the woes are scary. You understand, you don't want the Son of God saying woe. You understand what woe means? It's bad. <laughs> May bad come upon you. That's what he's saying. And so this is a tougher, meaner, more offensive Jesus. Um, and I hope you and I are be willing to um, wrestle with this Jesus. Now I want to say it's just something as a preacher. We, we're going through a series on mercy. We go through the Gospel of Luke. I am very tempted to skip this passage because it's not fun. It's not fun. You don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear it. You probably don't want to hear it either. But if I'd skip it, I would feel unfaithful. You wouldn't be getting Jesus, the way he really thinks, the way he really talks. And we have to wrestle with this thing if we're really going to have a deeper understanding about mercy and how we should think about rich and poor. We have to think very seriously about how God looks at rich and poor. And this passage is like it's really sticking it to the rich. So in three parts, part one, upside down and inside out. That's the name of my sermon today, the upside down, inside out kingdom. Part one is upside down and inside out. That's what this passage is doing. It's going to turn things upside down. It's going to expose us inside out. Part two, riches comfort and cynicism. Hmm. I want to talk a little something about our relationship to money and comfort, and um, about sometimes how we have cynicism about caring for the poor. And um, I want to give some warnings about that riches, comfort, and cynicism. And part three a new world and a new kingdom, because that's what this passage is doing. It's a powerful critique on the world, on every culture. Especially every culture and how we look at um, riches and poverty. So um, let's get into it um, upside down and inside out. There are four blessed and there are four woes. And the word in Greek for blessed is makarios. And it's it's a little bit, it doesn't exactly mean just blessed. It means something odd. It means something more like happy. So let me read it to you this way. Blessed are you... Blessed are you, or happy are you who are poor. Happy are you who are hungry now. Happy are you if you weep now. At some point, you're going to laugh. And happy are you when people hate you, and they exclude you, and they revile you. You guys understand the word revile? That means they really hate your guts. That's what revile means revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of Jesus, right? Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Um, This makes no sense. (laughs) Just stop for a moment. This makes no sense. Why would you be happy if you're poor? Why would you be happy if you're hungry, or if you cry, or everybody literally hates your guts and considers you evil because something about this jesus person why would you be happy about those things and then let's go to the next four they're they're very they're absolutely parallel in the in the sermon on the Mount in matthew chapter 5 there are eight blessed blessed or happy are you but here there are four happies and then there are four you be miserable (laughs) woe is may you be miserable and, there are, and they're absolutely parallel. So listen, woe to you who are rich. It's exactly the opposite of poor. Woe to you who are full. It's the opposite of hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. You, you will cry. You will mourn. And woe to you when speak, everybody says such great things about you. Because that's what your fathers did. In previous generations, when they operated according to culture about riches and poverty, like everybody does when it's apart from God and apart from his kingdom, they're just going, this is what they're going to say about you, too. But actually, may you be miserable. Wow. Um, I want you to think about this. This isn't just about money. (laughs) Um, he is talking about the world itself. Actually, if you, if you think about this, this is the way the world actually works, right? Um, happy are you if you are rich. So if you, this is the way we should, the latter portion. Happy are you who are rich. Happy are you who are full now. Happy are you who are laughing. Happy are you when everybody seeks really good stuff for you. You're happy. And if you're poor and you're hungry, and you're weeping, and everybody thinks you're nothing, then woe to you. Is that, that's normal. Isn't that normal? That's completely normal. In a world, in every culture, in every kingdom, that's the normal way that wealth is, operates. You have wealth, you're hungry, ha, 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 everything is so fun and laughter, and everybody thinks I'm so cool and nobody hates me, then, then I'm happy and everything, I'm blessed. But actually, and then, but the people who got no money, and because they got no money, or because they're hungry, and they're dirty, and because they got, they don't have any place to shower, and then everybody looks down on them, and goes, who wants to see them? Because, or maybe they're not even just dirty and poor, they're just sad. They're just depressed. Or they're addicted because they're sad. See? Because they're mourning, because they weep. And so, how can they be happy? they're miserable, they have woes, just whoa, 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 that's completely normal culture, that's, it was Israel too, it's normal world, it's just normal culture in the world, when it comes to wealth and poverty, when well, we got no God, no God who knows his kingdom, and so when Jesus comes in, and he's a a king, and he's going to come in and say, "I'm bringing you a whole new kingdom, which is actually from God." You know what, what he's doing? He's going to disrupt everything. He's going to flip all our values and all the things that normally goes. He's completely flipping it on its head. Now, let's stop for a moment here, too. It's tough. Are any of you guys uncomfortable reading these? Woe to you who are rich. Who are? Okay, so I, I, I'm not hungry, and I laugh a lot, pastor. So does that mean Jesus has it in for me? Maybe. 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 <laughs> Let me say that one more time. Yeah, maybe. But it's not just about economics. You know, the outer two, there's four and they're completely parallel. Rich, and then on the fourth one, it's social. It's social too. everybody. If you're rich, people tend to like you. <laughs> It's just, it's really not that complicated. If you are rich, you usually know how to like wear nicer clothes. And you typically know how to like talk a little better, but not always. Do you notice in our culture, there are people who are really rich, but they're total jerks. And yet people still like them. It's really weird. There are people in my are like, that guy's a total jerk, and yet people like him, you know like like our president. There are still people who like him, but then there are people from Hollywood. They're just boorish jerks. So you know you have the right-wing jerk who's actually in our White House, and then you have left-wing jerks who are at Hollywood. And people still love them, and they say good stuff about them. So it's social, too. Right? It's social, too. There's rich, and everybody likes you. But the two in the middle are really interesting. This is the part that I think you know, exposes on the inside. The, one of them, the first one is if you're hungry. Do you know that in the Bible, hunger is not just about hungry about food? If you read throughout the whole Bible, there is hungry about food, but the Bible is not that interesting about hungry about food. It's always, almost always, hungry for bread is hungry for something more. And are you a person who's hungry but not for food? You're hungry for love. Love. Hungry, hungry for justice. Heck, you're just hungry just for happiness. Hmm. I think there's a lot of people hungry. And then there's a, the other one. If you weep, you cry. Do you cry? Hmm. Do you cry inside? Are you a sad person? Except that when you come to church, you know, you know, I, I can't be like a sad, broken down, falling down apart person because you know people at church are happy. I sure hope that's not the case. If you hurt, there should be no better place to go than church. If you cry, there should be no better place to go than church. I love it when a person comes to church and they barely can't keep it together. All they just hear about God and they just start falling apart. And I love going to church. One of the things I tell college students, you know, our, our graduates, uh, this is a little preview, you know, you guys are, are going. And I say, go to a church, and you know the Holy Spirit is in the room. And then they say, and then and I look at them, do you know when the Holy Spirit is in the room? And they look at me and go, no. <laughs> and I go, okay, let me give you a clue. A person comes into church, and they hurt. They hear about God, and they cry. They just cry. And other people in the room, it doesn't bother them at all. They think it's totally cool. It's fine. Someone over here is like, Jesus! Over here? Just, they're just falling apart. And the people over here are completely cool with the person falling apart. And when I see that in a church, I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit's in the room. Hmm. Because... Because Jesus is exposing the fact is, we all want to be happy, happy, I'm laughing, I'm laughing, and I'm full, and I got money, and I got, and like, and everybody likes me, and, but actually deep down, even if you have money, some of us are crying. And even if a lot of people like you, some of us are really lonely, and we hunger for real friendship, real love, real acceptance, right? Right? How about some of us? How about all of us? If you're honest, this city is full of fake people, isn't it? Including you and me. And so what's Jesus doing? He's cutting us open from the inside out. And he's saying this. This is where it's really at. This is the real world. And if if you're just going to operate in the normal way, happy and rich and everybody likes you, and then... Eh, We'll just, you know, those people down there, let them stay down there. You know what Jesus is going to say? If that's the way you want to operate, then woe to you. I hate you. You understand woe from the Son of God? That's really, really bad. That's the top, top guy. And if it says woe to you, that's like the last, last person you ever want to hear that from. It's like your mom and your dad and your favorite professor and your boss and the president of the United States and your favorite coach all wrapped up to the one and shoved up to the infinite degree. It's not the person you want to say, well, saying that to. He's cutting us open by the way we look at this. flipping things upside down. Now let me go to part two. Riches and comfort and cynicism. This passage is intended to make us a lot more skeptical and suspicious about money and comfort. Hmm. People who are genuinely Christians who really believe in Jesus, you and I, if you really believe in Jesus, you and I have to have a lot more suspicion and have a lot more of a a more complex and nuanced relationship to money and comfort. Hmm. If you just think money and comfort, good. I'm happy, everybody likes me, my life is good, you're in trouble, you're the person that Jesus says woe to, because the real question, I think, in this passage, not whether you just laugh, or whether you feel full, the real, let me ask you, okay, let's put it this way, in your life, you laugh, or you're happy, I'm happy, the real question is why, why, are you, do you laugh and have happy, happiness because you have money and comfort and all everybody think, approves of you? Is that it? Is that all, you, it's all it takes for you to laugh and feel good? Is that it? Then, then you're lost. And you're not actually in touch with your deeper person. But, because this is the way the world works. All of us, if we're honest, Somewhere inside, there's a poverty that's bigger than money. And there is a hunger that no comfort and all the applause the world cannot fill. And there's weeping. There are some people right here in this room, right here in our church. They come and they are, they weep a lot. And they come into church, and there's a lot of happy, happy, but they hurt so much, they're crying so much, they just can't take the way the world or even the church deals with it. Because the way the world and the church deals with it is, if you have enough money, (laughs) then we can eat. This is kind of the San Jose way of doing it, the Silicon Valley way of doing it. What we do is we go out to eat, because there's a lot of good restaurants. (laughs) And then we go out to eat with somebody we like. So then we eat good food. Oh, that makes us feel good. We get there, our little endorphins shoot up. because It's a little drug hit because sugar and certain foods make you feel good. And then you hang out with your friends and we talk about something funny. Ha ha ha! And we laugh. And then after it's over, let's go. Let's go like drown ourselves in entertainment. Netflix, YouTube, sports. That's 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 the guy one. Okay, that's mine. That's the one. And then we go, yes, my team won. Your team sucks. Yeah. Laughter. And what we do is we use money and laughter and our friends and their approval to drown out the crying. That's what we do. To try to convince ourselves we're not hungry. Deep down, we're not poor. We're not crying. But there are some people in the midst of us, even if they have money... They still can't, the crying, the weeping inside is so strong that this, it's like this denial approach, money and comfort, just drown it out, so it's denial, let's just drown out the hurt, drown out the hunger, drown out the weeping, so they they, they go, like, that, that's not working for me, it's not good enough for me. The person I thought of when I was thinking about this sermon is um, Robin Williams. Anybody here know who Robin Williams is? This is probably like the older guys know who Robin Williams is and younger people don't. You guys know? Okay, so uh, Pastor Young overheard me teach this over there. Any of you guys see Aladdin? (laughs) Okay, everybody's seen Aladdin. Do you like the genie in Aladdin? (laughs) He's so funny, right? That's Robin Williams. (laughs) And you know what? The genie in Aladdin, Robin Williams. You know what they did? They didn't have lines for the genie. <laughs> they just brought Robin Williams in and says, "Robin, do your thing. Be funny, dude." <laughs> and he just came up with lines, and you just laugh uproariously through that whole movie because Robin Williams can make anybody laugh. He is one of the gr- he's got to be he's got to be an all-time great. But did you know that Robin Williams is depressed? He had coke addiction, alcohol addiction. He went to church. Into to big churches. I have a friend, Korean-American pastor. His church was, had the same name as Tim Keller's famous church, Redeemer. So his church had the same name, Redeemer, and then as the Redeemer in New York, so, except he was in LA. And Robin Williams went to Redeemer in New York, because you know he's famous and goes to New York and does stuff there. And then he goes, I liked Redeemer in New York and how they talk about God. And then he goes, oh, there's a redeemer here. So he actually came to the Korean church too. <laughs> Can you imagine a church that's about our size and like one of the most famous, one of the greatest, greatest comedians of all time. Everybody loves him. He's like so rich and so spectacularly successful, the voice of Aladdin. Hmm. Except you know, you young guys wouldn't know that it's him. You'd be like, who's he? We're like, it's the voice of Aladdin. Oh, he is. Okay, we'd go like, oh, it's Robin Williams. We'd want to bow down to him because he's so awesome. Right? Except he came in so sad he's so sad he had to try Jesus I want to say something about church I've heard I've met so many people I don't know how many and I've I've met lots of them I'm, I'm thinking about names and well I won't go through but they say it's uncomfortable to go to church because I'm depressed, <laughs> and it's hard to be at church when you're depressed. That hurts. When I hear that, I'm thinking there's something seriously, seriously wrong. If that is a common perception, of church. Um, I wasn't going to use this, but our, our sister in our, in the first service, you know, we actually did a little. You know, I actually, we, it was a small group, so I got to actually ask questions. One of the sisters, um, and during the, during, she's in one of the children's ministry, she's in hearing this pastor, she says, when I was growing up in Korea, there is this idea that if you're blessed by God, if you have money and, you're, and you have success and everything is doing well, then you're being blessed by God. But if something is bad as bad is happening in your life, you must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. And therefore, you should repent in your life so that God can bless you. And when, and this is what I said to her. I, and when she said it, I just went, you know, if that is a common perception of our church, that's why our churches suck. That is now what the Bible says. Actually, that perception, God has blessed you, You're happy and you're rich and you're good. God has blessed you. And you're poor and you're hurting and you're sad. You must be a bad person. That is not the gospel. (laughs) That is not what the Bible says about poverty and hurt. It's absolutely not what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says about poverty and hurt? Everybody is cursed. (laughs) Riches is unusual. Poverty and hurt is normal. (laughs) Everybody is cursed. And some people are not rich because they deserved it. They just were lucky. <laughs> in fact, they were rich when they don't deserve it. And some people are not hurting, not because they deserved it. It's because the world is cursed. That's what the wife And one of the things I said to his sister is, um, that's how the, maybe there are certain churches in Korea that think this way. But in America, there's a set of churches that think this way. It's called Prosperity theology. Huh. Prosperity theology. You're rich, God has blessed you. You're poor, you know, you're a bad person. Therefore, you need to change something in your life. If you think that, that is, think about this. That's completely opposite of this passage. <laughs> it's completely backwards. It should be blessed if you are rich. Woe to you who are poor, because you're a bad person. But that's not what Jesus says at all. That premise of a way, looking at the world like that is completely looking at the world through legalism. Do you know the Hindus look at the world this way? You were good in a past life. That's why you're in the higher caste. And now you're, everybody likes you because you're rich and you're in the higher caste. But you were a bad in the past. life. That's why you're in the low caste and everybody hates you. That's exactly the way Hindus look at the world. And if the church looks at things this way, how horrible is that? Because that would be a prison. The rich say, hey, I'm a good person. That's why I'm rich. It would just lock them into their pride. It's like a prison of their pride. And the poor, it's like taking the poor, and you shove them down some more. Hey, poor guy, let me kick you now. Oh, your daughter died, you got depressed, then you ended up on alcohol, then you lost your job. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, hey, when I come along, can I kick you in the head, too? That's what that theology does. Let me, put, let me know modes about it. It's wicked. That theology is wicked. I despise prosperity theology. I, there's a lot. Those, you know what? Guess what? People love those preachers. They're false prophets. This is what the real preacher is like. This is, this is what he's really like. And this is the way God looks at the real world. And the, and the normal world, this is what they do. They push down the hurting. And then they congratulate themselves because we got money and everything. Everything went great for us. And yet, Jesus, he says, I have a better world and a better kingdom. In order for that to come, I have to scramble and break up this one. And you know what? People don't like it. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, especially my younger brothers and sisters, some of you guys are, you all can feel it in high school, right? You don't want to tell people you're a Christian. Wait till you get to college. Wait till you have a job in Silicon Valley. Oh, I'm a Christian. What? You hate gay people. We're going to fire you. They don't say that out loud, but that's what they say behind your back, and then you could get fired. That's real. That's very real. But one of the reasons why Christians will always be hated. (laughs) If we're really Christians, we will not accept that the rich people are all happy up here and the poor people there. We will not accept this. (laughs) We will not accept it because Jesus will never accept it. (laughs) Wow, that's hard, right? Now, let me say one more thing and let's go to the Final portion of my message. There's a lot of people today, they go into the church and say, oh, this is a guilt message. It's, it's a, it does feel like a powerful guilt message, doesn't it? It's a scary message. It should. I mean, if you don't feel scared, then I didn't preach it right. I was scared all week long. So you can be a little scared for like 30 minutes, OK? It's like, I don't want it to say this. But there's a, this is in the church, too. There can be no space for this in the church. Oh, this is the guilt message. So now this is the way the pastors can kind of, like, get us, give money, and then help the poor. And like, the poor is just the poor. Come on, let's get on with our life. If that, if you have, we have that attitude, that's cynicism. That's prosperity lies winning. That's accepting the status quo. That's accepting the kingdom of man. And the backwards, messed up, upside down way that we handle riches and poverty, we can't accept that there has to be not a hard place in our heart toward the poor and the weak because I'm comfortable. Why can't they get their act together? No, there has to be a soft place. There has to be a soft place because we never forget this, this word. And let me conclude this because you never forget this. You know, Jesus, there's two ways of speaking the gospel. Well, there's a lot of different ways, but let me offer it to you in kind of two broad ways. One is like this. You're hurting. You're guilty. You're filled with shame. And then Jesus came and covered your shame and handled your guilt and then gave us some good thing that we could never earn. That's the normal way that you and I hear the gospel. <laughs> That's the way we normally do it. And we, we, you, will hear, you will hear this steady diet. On the front end of my message, I will give you a very, like, Not fun to hear some way in which we are messed up. And then an offering of grace from Jesus. But there's another way that Jesus can proclaim, which is this, that he came to offer us a whole new kingdom. It's a whole different kind of kingdom. And in this kingdom, he says, you know the way things work here? It doesn't have to work here this way. Because when he looks at the world, when he looks at the world, he doesn't see... Rich people over here and poor people over here. (laughs) Like for us, we, like America is such a profoundly socioeconomically segregated culture. It really, we really are. (laughs) And it's sometimes like, even if your neighbor is poor and you're rich, but if you have more money and you're middle class, you only hang out with those people who are money and middle class. We segregate. It's that we do it by race and we do it by class. And then we do it by neighborhood. And then we do it by activities. Because if your friend doesn't have enough money to go to NBA basketball games, and they can't hang out with you. Kind of how it works. If they don't have enough money to go out to lunch with you and have boba or Chinese food, then it's not fun to hang out with them because they can't even afford McDonald's, right? That's how the way the world works. But part of the good news is, it's a great news that Jesus says, I, I came to offer a different whole new kingdom. And here's the truth. Those of us who are middle class in America, we're pretty rich. Especially middle class in really one of the richest, most expensive cities in the world, we're pretty rich. It really shows up if you go overseas to a place like Thailand. Or last week, our brother gave us a, a presentation from Rwanda. Rwanda, are you kidding? But when Jesus looks at someone from Rwanda, and he looks at somebody from Silicon Valley, you know what he sees? He sees, I see that you are poor, I see that you are hungry, and I see that you're weeping. I see that you are fearful. Around the world, people will reject you, and this is your life. And you know what? Whether people are rich or they're poor, Robin Williams may be rich, rich, rich. I'd like to think that if he was sitting here in this room, he would say, you're talking to me. I'm one of the poor. I weep. Brothers and sisters, if you go through this series, and at the end of this series, if you look at the poor as a burden, and having to give some money to the poor is like, gosh, I don't do that. then, Then we've accepted... The kingdom of the world too much and the money has corrupted us (laughs) and we become cynical but if you look at the poor and begin to realize you know what that guy's on the street or that person can't seem to get over their addiction or their depression and then you see them and go oh they're like me (laughs) they're a lot like me actually and then you remember this. There was a king who came to offer us a new kingdom. And he came and he took on our poverty <laughs> so that he could give us his riches. And we and we were hungry. He literally made himself hungry. You know, he fasted 40 days. And he made himself bereft of the presence of God. He hungered after the blessings of God, and he made himself just utterly bereft on the cross of the presence of God so that we can have all of his filling. And we wept. He wept with us. He wept for us. And he wept, wept, wept so that we can laugh, laugh, laugh. And then the whole world came to hate him. Because the whole world operates on legalism. We're good people. We all have our act together. That's why we're rich. Those people are bad. They must be bad. That's why they're, that's why they're down there. Right? And then, because the world operated on legalism, he was completely reviled and rejected. And us, as long as we operate on legalism before God... Because God does not operate on legalism. We deserve to be rejected and reviled. But instead, Jesus said, will you drop that legalism? And will you you believe that I offer into your hunger a new kingdom and a new life and a new acceptance and a new feeling? Would you believe that? Because I did this for you. And if you will first swallow this... (laughs) And believe this and remember this. You you can't ever look at a poor person with legalism and pride. Hmm. That'd be different. The new kingdom will be breaking into your heart, and we're breaking into the world. And the king will be breaking into the world through us. The king who wept so we could laugh, (laughs) made himself hungry so it could be filled. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we are a room full of corrupted people. We um, we typically go, oh, we'll help the poor because you know today we feel like we have some righteousness, and then and today we'll be a good legalist, and then tomorrow like oh, I don't want it. And then we have hardness to the poor and we have cynicism because we'd rather trust money and comfort and the acceptance of our fellow neighbors more than believe and trust in the kingdom you offer us, the riches you offer us. Please forgive us and thank you that you would first have mercy on us, callous, rich people who want to drown out our crying and our hunger through a tactic from the world instead of letting you minister and fill our hunger and be with us in our weeping and give us a new kind of laughing by grace. May we run to you, and I pray that you would give us eyes to see and a much better, wiser, truer relationship to money and wealth and poverty because we have a real relationship with you, Jesus. Make us a people where the kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done here in San Jose and among our neighbors. Not through our legalism or through our pride and through the prison of our own, pride through our riches, but the new kingdom by your grace. Break out in their hearts. In Jesus' name.